Hello, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne, speaking to you on the cusp of Valentine's Day weekend. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in the restaurant industry, unless you're one of my friends who listen, like my drinking buddy Andrew or my friend Jamie from my college years. And so you know how challenging Valentine's Day and the weekends before and after it can be for restaurant operators. February 14th is one of the days, along with New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, and some others, that hospitality people sometimes call amateur night, when your customers are people who don't get out much and don't really know how to behave in restaurants. They pretty much only go out on very special occasions, or maybe during restaurant week. Valentine's Day can be especially challenging because the stakes can be so high. This is a very special evening for a lot of customers, and if everything doesn't go perfectly, the night might not end with the beautiful romantic moments that so many people hope for. Of course, whether the night is successful for your guests has a lot less to do with you than it does with them, but that doesn't mean you won't be blamed for it. Such are the challenges of running restaurants. At any rate, my guest for this podcast today is Tony Hicks, the third and final chef who I met last fall during a dinner thrown by the James Beard Foundation that showcased aspiring young culinarians. I've already shared my conversation with Jaquad Austin and Ajiatu Jalo, and I think you'll enjoy this one with Tony Hicks, who is developing a unique style of cooking while also working to educate her community in Philadelphia about cooking and eating. And now, here's Tony Hicks. Where am I talking to you from? Where are you? I'm in, I'm in Philly. How I, about you? Where are you? I, I'm in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. So not far. No, not too far. You're still close. I yeah. just cut my hair. <laughs> ah, looks I great. just got a haircut. Well done. And you're you're a native Philadelphian, right? Yeah, I'm from Philly. I live in uh, West Philly. I live in the Overbrook section of West Philly. And you have been cooking for a really long time. So why don't, why don't you tell me, Tony Hicks, about your background? You grew up in Philadelphia, uh, got involved with CCAP. Tell me all about that. So I grew up in Philly. Um, I grew up in North Philly. It was Fairmount area with my mom, my dad, my two sisters. We had like a what are you stand growing up. We had it for about seven years and then we moved to West Philly. So we kind of got rid of the business. Um, we would sell like water ice, pretzels, pizza pretzels, um, fish platters, chicken sandwiches, just like a bunch of different stuff. Um, I never really thought I was going to cook until I got to high school. Um, I went to Swinson Arts and Technology High School, which is a CTE program, mm-hmm. career technical training program. Um, so it was different trades. And then at my high school, we have bacon and culinary uh, bacon and pastry arts and then culinary arts, which are two different things in my high school. Um, it's the only school in Philadelphia who has a bacon and pastry program separate from a culinary arts program. So I was in a bacon and pastry program um, for three years. But as a sophomore, you get the chance to, you know, do bacon and culinary. So I got the chance to do both. But I was really like cool with the culinary arts teacher. Um, so I would just hang out in culinary arts all the time. <laughs> and then um, one day I asked him for volunteer hours, the chef. And he was like, I'll give you volunteer hours if you apply for this program. 
which was the CCAT program. So I applied for the program and I got in. Um, I did their competition um, and I won a $5,000 scholarship that I used to go to CCP because I didn't know like culinary arts is something that I really wanted to do or something like that. Um, I knew that I did really want to study food science. Um, I went to um, Drexel University. I graduated from Drexel and it was a full tuition scholarship that I got from CCAT as an alumni and I studied food science at Drexel. Great. So that's that's kind of how I got started. So I basically got started cooking in high school. It was like never something like I never really was like, I want to be a chef. You know, I grew up cooking with my mom, my grandma. Like that is not me. I just was like really good at it. So I just was like, I'm going to stick with it at this point, you know, to see how far I can go. And that's why I really didn't study um, just culinary in college. I studied, you know, some science because I really like science. So I study science and then I study food, you know, with the two. So then uh, while I was at Drexel, I was getting different like um, training and different programs that we had. A lot of my program was based around chemistry. Um, we did some biology but, or like microbiology, but it was like mainly focused on chemistry. And then we had an um, extracurricular program there, which is our food lab program. Um, so Drexel, they focused on a lot on product development at their school. Um, as it being a culinary and food science program, a lot of other food science programs just focus on the science part. They don't have culinary classes for their students. So that's another reason why I wanted to go to Drexel because I think that that was really cool, you know? Um, but Food Lab is just like an extracurricular program that students can do. And in Food Lab, we do a lot of food product development. Um, so we work with different companies. We work with a lot of small, like, local businesses and fill like up and coming startups in Philly. And then we also work with, you know, the larger companies like Campbell's and like Hershey and stuff like that too. So I just think it was pretty cool that, you know, I got the chance to do that in college and like learn as well. Um, but then while I was at Drexel, I was able to learn different things about myself um, as I was growing older and getting mature. Um, then I realized how I grew up in Philly wasn't the same, how a lot of my other peers grew up um, that, that wasn't from Philly. So then it just kind of like made me take a whole turn on what I really wanted to do and how I really wanted to use my education and my skill and my training and stuff like that. So what is different about your upbringing compared to other, other classmates of yours at Drexel? Um, so a lot of the girls that I went to school with, they were all from, a lot of them were from either like California or uh, North Jersey. Mm -hmm. And they were from the suburbs. I was from the city and I grew up in the food desert. They did not. Uh, those girls, they knew a lot about food. They knew a lot of just different ingredients, just like they just knew so much. And I was just was like, wait, I've been studying this since I was in high school. How you guys know more than me? And also at the time I was working full-time in restaurants. Um, I started working in restaurants when I was 14 because of the program I was in high school. And I was just so confused on how these girls knew so many different things about food and ingredients and stuff like that. And like realizing that they had more access to stuff than I did from where I was living and being in the food desert and stuff. That's when I realized like, oh, I don't like anything. I just, I don't like knowledge or nothing. I just like access to those things. And also a little bit of education with it. 
Um, so I do focus a lot on education around uh, culinary and different things like that. Yeah, you're, you're big on mentoring younger people and like that, right? Yeah, for sure. So you've been working in restaurants since you were 14 and you spent six months in Cancun, is that right? Yeah. That's, that's fairly recent, right? Yeah, in 2019, um, at Drexel, Drexel is really known for their co-op program. So you can have, I think, three different co-ops if you start like as a freshman, if you're in a five-year program. And then when you are a four-year, if you're in the four-year program, you only get two co-ops. So I came in as a transfer student, which was also known as like a pre-junior. So I only had two years left at Drexel. So I only got the one co-op, well, actually two co-ops because you get, you get two co-ops for three months, but you can do it one time for six months. So I just went to Mexico for the six months. And I was- um, it was so fun. I had a lot of fun. I didn't want to come home. I actually stayed an extra month in Mexico City, and it was just so much fun. I think I actually like want to live there. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was so fun. I worked in the morning. It was wild because I never worked in the morning. I never did breakfast or anything like that. I mean, I worked a brunch shift on a Sunday, which I hated. Mm-hmm. But like, I never had to work in the morning. And like, when I went to Mexico, I had to work in the morning every day. So I had to wake up at like. 5.30 a.m., get dressed, catch the bus by 6.30, because um, they had a bus that took us to the resort every day, and it was just a lot, so one day, I was like, can I switch to dinner, so I did that for, like, two months, and I asked him, can I switch to dinner, and it was like, well, it's another job for you, you could work as the executive chef's assistant, so I worked as the executive chef assistant, and literally just talking to guests all day about, like, the accommodations they need with food and different stuff like that, because I was the only person on the resort who, like, spoke, like, English as their first language, of course, and then after that, he was like, would you like to, you know, take the place of different chefs in each restaurant, um, so I did some, I did that like sometimes a week. So one day I would go to like the seafood restaurant or I would go to like the Mexican restaurant and just take the chef who wasn't there shift for the day. And then, you know, they will already have the menu planned or I would plan a menu. It was a cool job. Like I had a lot of fun and a lot of freedom. Um, and then my last few months there, I worked um, as a bartending server. Oh. So I would serve drinks to people around the food. I would serve drinks to people around the uh, pool. And then I was like, cool with the bartender said it would just teach me how to make different drinks. So it was good because I got to experience a lot of different things, back of house, uh, working with the executive chef, working, you know, freely creating a menu, um, hospitality, because, you know, I had to talk to so many guests. Did, did you learn Spanish growing up or did you learn it there or did you, you know, do a lot of hand- uh, I learned Spanish in uh, middle, I mean, yeah, middle school and high school. I never took it seriously. And then I went to Mexico and I was like, why didn't I ever take Spanish seriously? But like, you know, I can survive. I can get past with my broken Spanish as much as I can. Um, I can say, desalgo de toma. And every day I had to say that to the servers. So what does that mean? Would you like something to drink or would you oh, like a yeah. beverage or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to say that every day or like, hola, como estas? <laughs> sure. That I know. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I would think in six months you could learn, you could, especially if you've studied it, you could pick up a fair amount of Spanish hanging out. Although there's probably a lot of English speaking at resorts in Cancun. So I, think. I can understand it a lot. 
Um, I can understand it better than I can speak it. So if somebody talks to me in Spanish, I can understand it. But it was kind of different because I worked with the same people every day for such a long time that if they spoke to me in Spanish, I would like talk back to them in English and like we would understand each other. But then when I got on, on the street and people would speak Spanish to me, I'm like, wait, you got to slow down for just one second. Um, but they would help me all the time. I would always ask them like, how can I go to the store and ask for cash back? How can I do this? Like when I get in the taxi, what do I say? When I want to order this, what do I say? So people were there to help me all the time. And uh, everyone, everybody on the resort wanted to talk to me, like staff wise, like everybody on the resort wanted to talk to me because they wanted to practice their English. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I'm the worst person to practice English with. Because <laughs> <laughs> my English is not good. Well, they, they can learn Philadelphia yeah. and English. That's legitimate English too. Just like, just like any dialect of English. So why not? Sure. Just like the Spanish that I learned there. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing now? Um, <clears throat> right now I am working, like I'm doing a lot of freelance stuff right now. Um, I'm doing a lot of pop-ups around the Philly. This would uh, be my second pop-up in December. I had my first pop-up in October. It was at a friend's restaurant. Um, it was at Elwood restaurant. And that was like where I debuted my, you know, cool menu of like food that I want to cook. Um, and I also do a lot of private gigs. So I do a lot of private dinners, a lot of private parties, small events. I really love doing small intimate events. So I really like to mix out at 50 people at the most, which is still a lot for me because I feel like it's not that intimate. But depending on what it is, um, uh, I do some personal chef stuff. Um, it's not my favorite, but I like doing, you know, it's pretty cool because then they actually want to hire me to do their private parties, which is like my favorite thing to do, which is maximum like 12 guests. Um, and I get to know their guests and I get to like create different menus for them, which is really cool because all of the people that I do cook for, they are really open-minded and they re really are experimental with things. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm doing a residency at Volver with Chef Jose Garces. Um, it's a three-week residency, so I'll be there February 15th to March 15th, and it's just a way of me being able to put um, items on his menu. People get to taste, like, you know, food that I like to cook, and then also I get to raise money for, like, a fundraiser, like my business or like whatever I want, I couldn't raise money for an organization and get it donated, but I'm going to raise money to, you know, to get money to, so that way I can start preparing to own a commissary kitchen, which is like what I want to do in the future. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm really going to focus on. Um, well, that's what I'm focused on now and then next year as well. And then after that, my goal is to go on a chef tour um across the country so doing like local places of course stopping in new york dc um and then after it being like a local thing it more so being an international thing so why what's your idea for a commissary kitchen why do you want that um for one space <laughs> let's start there um somebody being a up and coming chef it's really hard for me to have space to cook um a lot of stuff that I do I usually cook outside of my home or I cook at my guest house like wherever you know they live if they have the space so that's like number one 
Um, so I know what it's like as a chef coming up to need space and, you know, need affordable space. There's not a lot of space available in Philly. And if it is available, it's not affordable, especially for somebody who has to work to fund their business. Like, you know, I don't have this drastic loan or like a grant or like nobody is investing in me because I grew up with a trust fund or something like that. Like this is me working to fund this. Um, so that's number one. And number two is education. I really want to invest in my community. Like I told you earlier, I came from a food desert and not having the education of me knowing that I had access to stuff. So just making it a safe space for, um, people to learn about cooking. You don't have to be the best chef. You don't have to be working at a restaurant and you don't have to sell the best food in the world. If you learn how to feast for yourself, then you'll be like, perfect, you know, in life, just learning how to use these couple ingredients that you can go to the store and get and be able to cook a meal for yourself that'll last five days, at least maybe three days, at least, you know, just understanding it. And I think that that's really important. Once you learn how to feed for yourself, then you can survive. So that's really what I want to focus on. I do a lot of work with the Free Library of Philadelphia, especially around their children's and teen um, culinary education. So really investing in like the younger group of uh, people. So like small children, because when children learn when they're young about vegetables and fruits and stuff, and when they actually get their hands moving and cutting these vegetables and stuff, they're more interested and, you know, eating these healthy things. And then also with teenagers, when they learn a history of food, they kind of respect it more, you know, and where it comes from and why it grows this way or, you know, why we eat these different things. So just focusing on that, especially for it to be um, a community space is really important to me. Um, I also want to be able to make it have a commissary kitchen as the focus, but it also being a really like huge building if it can be. Um, so that way I can put different studios on top that people can rent out or like have a like incubator kind of thing going on because then it's just like a full circle of one hand washing the other, you know, which is important to me. So what are some of the, um, the techniques or ingredients that you, you teach people in your community to use? Um, for I can tell you about like the curriculum I have done for the free library. So for like small children, we really like to focus on seeds. Um, seeds are really important because then you learn, you know, you start small learning how to grow and different stuff like that. Um, once you get to the like middle age kids or like elementary, I want to say, we focus a lot on fermentation um, and stuff like that, because then you learn how to preserve this cool seed that you have created this awesome vegetable from um, and how to use it. And then as it gets older, uh, as the children get older and older, we more focus on like knife cuts and why we use this ingredient with that ingredient and the history of the ingredients that we're using and why we're using them. So just that, um, you know, it being a blank, a blank topic or like a, just a flat topic that we're talking about, that's really important to me because it's just different levels of learning, but all kind of in the same way. And I also like to ask, because I'm from Philly, I think it's easier for me too, but I also like to be like, what do you like to eat? What do you like to learn about? To see what they want to learn, not just me saying you should be learning this and you should be understanding this. And this is how you cook a meal, kind of how my education was forced on me, you know, needing to learn French technique and like Italian food. And like, this is the only way to do this. Uh, me understanding what they want to learn. Like, the other day, somebody asked me, can I help them make crab cakes? You know, so just something so small like that. 
um, it being helpful. That's that's awesome. So how about your own food, Tony Hicks? What is what is your style of cooking? What, for example, did you cook at your last pop up, and what are you going to cook at the one that's coming up? Um, so at my last pop up, um, I took a lot of influence from me cooking and the food that I ate when I was younger with the word I stand. Um, so I created kind of like this little book as, as the menu explaining my story of like why I created these different dishes. Um, one of my favorite dishes on there was the after school snack. And it was literally all the snacks I would buy at the corner store. So we had sour cream and onion chips, but it was just like roasted potatoes with the nice, um, sauce and then we had fennels to represent twizzlers we had micro sunflowers to represent sunflower seeds um a lot of uh orange vinaigrette to represent orange soda so different stuff like that is what i really like to do i like to focus on a lot of uh vegetables and like plant-based stuff um not because it's like healthy i just think it because it's cool and there's so many different varieties of like vegetables and like how you get to play with them and you can experiment with them so much and you can manipulate them so much so i think that that's pretty awesome um so at the pop up that i'm doing in december well on the 14th i really want to have it a lot of uh vegetable focus um for this one but i'm really want to change not change but i really want to put that out more i cook a lot of seafood and i cook a lot of vegetables um, most of everything that I served at my first pop-up was uh, actually shrimp and fish and vegetables. And in this one, like I said, I'm going to do a lot of vegetables. I'm really into like skincare and stuff like that, like skincare, hair care. So just incorporating things that help you glow from the inside out. I really want to incorporate that in my food. And I really want to talk about that more with cooking, just trying to find my way. I tell people I'd be feeling like I have no culture, you know, not culture. Like I have no food culture because my mom really didn't cook soul food when I was growing up. She just cooked whatever she had in the closet. For me, I like cooking whatever I want to eat. One day I want to eat couscous. The next day I want to eat udas and noodles. So it's like just that balance of figure out what I want to eat that day or what I, I'm into. And I just put that into my creativity when I'm creating a menu. So you'll never just, you know, get one flat cuisine from me. You'll just, it'll be outrageous. <laughs> My favorite thing to do is um, to name all the dishes on my menu that has nothing to do with food, like no association. I think that that's pretty cool that I have the freedom to do that because it kind of gives people a picture like in their head or like a taste in their mouth of what they think it's going to taste like. And then like they try it and it's nothing like they expected, but it's still good. So what are some examples of that? Like names of dishes and then what they are? Um. So... I have this one dish, it was called platter, please. Um, and it was just literally everything I would eat in a platter. So I love vegetables in a platter. I like fish in a platter, but I also love a um, curry chicken platter. So I made sure that the fish had a lot of like curry spices on there. And then I also love um, fruit salad platters. Mm -hmm. So the broth was persimmon, was ginger, had a little melon in there. So just different stuff like that. Um, when my mom saw it, she was like, what is this girl about to feed me? And she was just so confused of what was going on. But she tasted it and it was pretty good. Another thing I did was um, I did rainbow water ice and pretzels, which was like the pilot cleanser of the night, which was like a pretzel crumb and a rainbow sorbet. Um, my sister, she thought she was about to eat a water ice. And I was like, girl, no, you're not. <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool. Um, what else? This 
for this this dinner I have coming up, I have uh, something. I have a dish on there that I'm using black eyed peas. Um, it's called Lucky um, Lucky Charm. Um, and then, good luck. Huh? These black eyed peas are good luck. They good luck for the new year, right? Um, so it's called like Lucky Charm, and um, but it's black eyed peas. It's not lucky. But it's black eyed peas. But I kind of I'm trying to imagine how I can make it colorful uh, with the white sauce, so it can look like Lucky Charms in the bowl. In milk. Yeah. So like cereal and milk. So I'm really like playing with that right now and like trying to develop that and come up with that and just, you know, being creative and having fun. I think food should be fun. I don't think it should just be this technical thing that you have to do it this way or cut that way. I think it should just be fun. And I that's why I love working with like the younger groups and like students and stuff, because it is always going to be fun. You know, um, I kind of had was having a hard time this past month of like figuring out um can I really be fun and have be like creative when it comes to cooking or do I have to follow this one structured way or do I have to go you know on ancestry.com and look up my black ancestors or like you know it was just like I was like really overwhelming I was like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna focus on the vegetables I like to eat I'm gonna focus on you know the cereal I like to eat I'm gonna focus on how I love you know, to talk about skincare and glowing from the inside out and put those things in your body. And, you know, I use my education, I use my skill, I use my fancy knives to create this and be myself. So Tony, what are some things that I should be eating so that I will be glowing more from the inside out? Okay. So number one, duh, drink water always. That is so important. You can always eat your water as well. So eating different um, fruits, fruits have a lot of water. You want to make sure you get your greens in because those are your um, antioxidants and they will bring all of those things that are not supposed to be in your body outside. I mean, you may be all acne'd up and like all blemished up for like the first week when you eat this stuff, but you know, that means it's cleaning you out and that means it's working. So you got to be patient. Okay. Um, you want to eat your vitamin C. That is important. I personally don't like to put vitamin C directly on my skin, but I like to uh, eat all of my vitamin C. So things like oranges um, and citrus and all that other stuff. And your fats. Fats are important. A lot of people don't understand that, but your healthy fats, not your Doritos, um, you know, having coconut oil and having, you know, your extra virgin olive oil and having just these different oils and, you know, insert them into your body because all of those things will hydrate you on the inside, which also will push out and hydrate you on the outside. So, yeah. And make you- oh, and mushrooms. That's really important for your hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't have hair, but I like mushrooms. So that's that's good. Um, so uh, you're working on creating your own career, traveling the country and then traveling the world. You know, there's a labor shortage. All, all of the restaurants are hiring. Why not just get a job in a restaurant? Does that not sound fun for you? Um, no, I already did that. I did it for 10 years and I was just over it. You know, executing someone else's vision is kind of not my thing anymore. Um, I think I've reached a level in my life that I have worked really hard for to be creative and be myself and be, you know, a chef, Tony Hicks. That's why I was happy when I got the chance to do the James Beard Fellowship, mm -hmm. because 
it was me representing myself. It wasn't me saying Tony Hicks associated with this or Tony Hicks associated with that, which I'm usually always associated with. It was just me by myself being able to cook what I like, you know, getting to meet different people and just being on the path that I wanted to be on. Well, congratulations in advance, Tony Hicks, on your awesome career. I look forward to finding out what you're doing next. And it was really, really nice to spend some time hanging out with you. Thank you. You too. And it was a pleasure meeting you and telling you my story.